Okay, are we starting right now? So, looking at last episode, what were some of the things that you feel like you learned about yourself? Well, I had to do the editing process, and I hate to admit it, Jonathan, but I I think I talk too much. Oh, this is <laughs> this is shocking news to me. I think you're being facetious, and <laughs> so I me <laughs> indeed. So I I was doing the, the the editing of the whole thing, which which took a while, but it was a really good experience yeah. to learn the editing itself. But it was just, yeah. it was very interesting for me to try and stomach listening to myself speak you know many times yeah and i think listening to my voice is weird enough but what was even stranger was was seeing that if you ask me a yes or no question i often just spoke for 10 minutes at a time and Mm -hmm. i don't know i thought i thought that was very striking and it's something that people have told me about myself that i've never really appreciated or understood just because i've never had like a third person point of view on myself do you think the editing itself will take less time for this episode, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think it'll take just as long. Um, yeah, because I think that you and I both have idiosyncrasies with speaking that make it difficult for our conversation to flow um, without a lot of breaking. Yeah, well, that's something that I noticed about myself as well. Listening, I, I'm sure I didn't listen as many times as you did, but certainly pace is something that I noticed. I have an odd word choice at times. Like what? Yeah, uh, I say things like, for example. I have that little little giggle that I can do, which I've been noticing actually since doing the podcast just the one time, mm-hmm. and this also came up in my confession class, hmm. I've been paying much more attention to the things that I say and how I say them because I've been listening to me say them, <laughs> yeah. and, I've been having, and I've been having people tell me the things that I say. Uh, so it's just made me more sort of aware of the weird things that I do and say. Yeah. You know, one, one of, which I don't know how I feel about. I mean, it's cool that I that yeah that we can just be more uh, thoughtful of of our diction. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to somebody yesterday and was letting them know that we have recorded this episode, and I mentioned to them something that I think is important for me, which I think is also maybe important for you, and that is this this project of just doing speaking over. Uh, like audio recording and doing speaking at length with another person and having to listen to myself, I think is actually very good practice for preaching that. Yeah. (laughs) I think somehow this has given me good feedback on maybe how I sound at the pulpit and how I will preach, you know, and what, what kind of punishment I will inflict on the people of God. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's exactly my thoughts on it as well. Yeah, so I completely agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, kind of like you, I don't really know what that means in terms of my long-term assessment of myself and like how I'll fix some of these things. But I'm certainly—I wouldn't say self-conscious, but I'm certainly more aware. This happened yesterday. I was in a conversation with a friend of ours, and while I still had about three more sentences to say to finish explaining what I was saying, I found myself stopping and wondering if he could just fill in the rest. Hmm. Did he? And he did. And this led me to a very like. I don't know, kind of an upsetting realization is that maybe sometimes I speak more than I should because I don't trust the other person isn't talented enough to finish the idea without me. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, it's it makes me a little self-conscious saying that out loud, but it's it might be part of it is that I, I have to think everything through all the way, and then I'm worried that the person that I'm speaking with hasn't thought about it as deeply as I have. Yeah. Well, maybe they haven't. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they haven't. Is that a bad thing, though? Yeah, I don't think it is, um, but I think that it can be uh, a problem, especially when 
speaking so much leads people to zoning out. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe I have some experience with you zoning out as you... <laughs> <laughs> do I do that? Yeah, you, uh, you kind of do. You kind of do. Um, yeah. No, but it's good. And I'm, and I'm glad to have, have learned some of that stuff. And I think this podcast will be a good experience of that, of learning how to maybe assess myself a little bit better. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I was just saying that I think that this podcast will be... <laughs> oh, are you zoning out on oh. purpose? Oh, that was that was a joke. Oh, I see. I see. No, but no, that was good. That was some good. That was a good feedback, sort of personal life lessons uh, learned from the podcast. I think that was good. Did you have anything else from yeah. there? No, no. Just the the ways in which I noticed myself speaking is really the the biggest thing that I learned. Uh, good. So, you said something last time that I wanted to follow up on. Mm-hmm. In that, the more tech you get, the less you rely on. Yeah, it's an idea that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and that is, I, I have, as you know, I have a MacBook, an iPad, and a watch, and I'm always kind of discerning whether or not it's, oh, and a phone, and then I'm always discerning whether or not it's time to retire a device, um, but I'm also a little self-conscious sometimes, especially with the watch, that I have a very sort of visible tech relationship, yeah. and what I have found interesting is that the amount of devices is not directly correlated to the relationship with the device. In other words, I have met people who only have a phone who spend more time on their phone than I do collectively with all of my devices. Right. Do you think that's a product of your, I don't know what you'd call it, disciplined approach to tech or just because you don't have to look at your phone for notifications? Yeah, I think it's certainly both of those things because I think that the more tech that I have had, um, the more intentional I have been about figuring out which, which purpose each device serves, that they're not just devices that are kind of ubiquitous and are used for everything all of the time. And you were hitting on this a little bit last time with your multi-pad, that you have two different iPads for two different functions. For me, the yeah. wa- I think the watch has done something good for me, which is I can, I can look at my watch at a glance and see a notification and not feel like I have to pick up my phone. Because when I pick up my phone, it's not too difficult to move from checking that message to then being on YouTube for four hours. Like there's yeah. there's a clear distinction between the devices that the watch is helping me distance myself from the devices in a more controlled way. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I noticed about listening through the last episode when I was talking about my multi-pad lifestyle, I still have a lot of those apps on my iPad Air, mm-hmm. but I don't use them like they're there just in case. And sometimes I do remove apps if they've just consistently gone unused. But like if I'm reading a book, I do want to be able to right there check it off my to-do list. And this is, so here's another thing, is that each of the apps sort of take on a different purpose. Yeah. So on my Kindle, my Kindle pad, Bear is almost exclusively used to, to I send out quotes that I pick up from the Kindle nice. app. Nice, yeah. So they take on, you know, they're still there, but they take on a different purpose mm-hmm. depending on the device. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I think that there's a certain detachment that you might have also to some of those apps where you, you don't need certain apps on certain devices because of the function, but having them or not is not really a big deal because you know when you approach your iPad Air, you're approaching it with a certain kind of intention um, that it'll be for this this one particular task. Um, and, right. and Bear is there to help facilitate that. Um, right. I think it's actually one of, the, one of the unfortunate consequences of the advent of so much tech in people's lives is that people don't know how to distinguish between time on device and time off device and then 
purpose of device versus being on the device with no purpose and just sort of being controlled by the device. I've noticed this. It's some... kind of an all or nothing. Yeah, that's very true. And I've noticed this with, with certain people in my life, friends and family, that you, you, cannot, you cannot remove the phone from their hands. And some can level that accusation against me too. But I think that with, with my watch in particular, I have had a certain detachment from it by becoming attached to a different device that is less engaging. So the device that's on my wrist all the time is it's kind of filtering the things that I need to be paying, paying attention to right now. I don't know. So it's made it, yeah. it's made it particularly helpful. I, I've also realized that there's an analog to this problem with devices in the app world, especially with to-do apps, that a lot of people that I've seen just dump everything into a single to-do app. Um, yeah. And I don't think that the apps do a very good job of distinguishing personal f- from work. Yeah. And I like to make sort of a spatial distinction between those two things on my apps by having two distinct apps, one for personal and one for business. Mm-hmm. Because I think it helps to separate out you know, what is the intention behind this engagement right now? Which I think is ultimately a problem that people have even with something as more fundamentally important as days of the week is sure. certain days of the week should not be days for work. Just like certain right. engagements with my devices and my apps should or should not be for work. In other words, how am I training myself to be a person dedicated to the Sabbath? Yeah, you need a day off, to put it simply. Yes, that's very true. And I think that if we don't have the habit cultivated within us to be able to distinguish times on versus times off, then I think we're posing a problem to our sort of health and engagement with work in general. I completely agree. How do you think that we train that, how we get that discipline? I think, I think part of it is learning how to manage your time and learning how to manage your tasks. Because there's just so many people that I've seen that don't have any sort of control over their tasks nor any control over their time. So how you calendar and how you to-do makes a big difference on how you invest hours. And the hours then turn into days, which turn into six days before the Sabbath. And I, I just think that on a micro level, there's no discipline cultivated. So on the macro level, there's no, there, there's no habit, you know? Yeah, I can understand how people would sort of see this as a daunting task because these apps don't, they don't do it for you. You still have to put in a lot of work to maintain them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and a lot of people I've heard say, oh, I, it's too, it's too complicated. It's too difficult. I'll just write it down on a piece of paper or something. It just seems like there's a lot of front end work going into these multiple apps, multiple to do's, multiple. Yeah. And I think that's okay because you, you're, you're doing the kind of pre work that is hoping to minimize work in general. Like, for example, if I have it as sort of a personal devotion that I will do none of my schoolwork on Sundays. That's just a personal devotion that I refuse to compromise on. So if I have readings due on, on Monday morning at 9 a.m. for one of my classes, they will be done on Saturday or on Friday because I've already invested the pre-judgment of Sunday being separate and being sacred and it takes the pre-work to make, you know, the work fit within its proper time. If I don't make that kind of pre-work, then it's just going to butt up against me and I'm going to have to do it at the last minute. So in other words, you have to work really hard to work really smart. Yep. So on Saturday mornings, I started blocking out a chunk of time just to go over the things that I've written down in my to-do apps and to start adding things that I'll need for the week. 
so reading assignments, writing assignments. Mm -hmm. I find having that time just to do it frees me up for the rest of the week so that I don't have to worry about doing it then. You mean like the populating of your tasks and your calendar? Yeah. yeah. Because that... to have that ded dedicated time. Because if it's just sort of this nebulous task that, oh, I'll do that when I need it, mm -hmm. then I probably won't do it. Ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Like, I, I, use, I use the app to do, the numerical to and then do, which I think you use as well. And started using it. Yeah, and I'm just finding that it's incredibly helpful because it's super detailed in all the different functionalities that I might need for particular tasks that may or may not be more complicated than a single line. You know, you can have checklists, you can have projects with subtasks and individual due dates. And, right. and for me, populating all of that at the beginning of a semester has made the rest of the semester more easy to control or easy to manage. Yeah. Not unlike your week. Like if you start your week on planning your upcoming week on your Saturday, then it makes the rest of the week something that you just experience rather than something that you are constantly being surprised by. Yeah, and, and it's a simple thing that I don't even have to think about being in control of the things that are due or the things that I have to do because I've already done that. Mm -hmm. And I can just trust that when the magic box tells me to do something, I can do it. <laughs> right. If I forget. Yeah, it's kind of like, maybe as an analogy, how, how is it that we outsource the kinds of things that are sort of burdening us from being able to engage in higher level thinking or deeper, I don't know, deeper creative projects, like outsourcing as much of the the mental work that we have to dedicate to task management, outsourcing that to a different a different thing that will be yeah. that will be your assistant. Yeah, sort of, a, and really taking on the the role of a virtual assistant. Oh yeah, and I'm a big fan, I'm a big fan of that, and for me, it's made a huge difference in the way that I even even just see my own, I guess my own sense of my own sense of peace in work. Right, that I'm in control of this. It's not in control of me. Right. Which I sucked at as a think, as a teacher. I was terrible at that as a teacher. Yeah. Oh, me too. And I still see it. You know, the inability to. I used to be a lot better at just leaving my phone in my room, and now it's it's always in my pocket. Is that a bad thing, or what are you saying? Well, I think it's I think I think it's part of that discipline that we were talking about. How am I fostering reliance on this thing, sort of dependence? Or how am I allowing myself to use it to the extent that I need it and then set it down when I don't? Mm -hmm. Can you say more? Like am, I spending, am I spending too much time on Reddit? You know, am I spending too much time on Twitter? Mm -hmm. Can you say more about your idea about all or nothing? Yeah. I think I've seen, and this is kind of getting at that, I've seen a lot of people really push back on the idea of moderation I think when people start getting into this, into the habits of technology and the ways that it can genuinely help, uh, things like workflow, we start to just build a dependence and we can't imagine not using it for anything. And so it becomes sort of this dichotomy in our minds that, well, I've got to use this for everything or I can't use it at all. If it's taking over my life, then I've got to get rid of it entirely rather than just cutting back on things. So you mean like a, it's an odd way of th so like I'm giving up Facebook for Lent, you know? It's like well, should we just be abandoning an entire social platform when there's a lot of good that can be done there, or should or should we rather be looking at how can I how can I take control over the situation rather than it taking control of me? Yeah. Where the only option is an extreme removal. I'm cutting myself off. Right. Right. Going cold turkey or something. Yeah. 
you know, I don't think anybody would say that, you know, Facebook is the greatest thing in the world and only good things come from it. But there's a lot of good things that can happen there, mm-hmm. which is true on any social platform. But we need to be more active in our use of it rather than a passive use. Yeah, active and creative. Yeah, also cre- yeah. how is it that this thing is a, a, a means to a higher end rather than being an end in itself? Um, and I think that yeah. there's a certain lack of creativity or imagination or realism when it comes to understanding, you know, like when you said this is a social platform, to me what that means is that this is the social platform. This is not just, yeah. this is the marketplace. And short, short of us going on retreat, which, which literally means to depart from the marketplace, to go away from the place where there are people, short of that, then it seems like learning how to engage the marketplace to be contemplative within the marketplace, it seems to be more along the lines of a healthy relationship to, to the medium rather than saying, you know, this is just a blip in the history of human interaction. It's like, well, this is human interaction kind of from here on out. I don't see how this can go backwards. Yeah. It's also interesting to look at it from our perspective because our first two years of training are sort of spent in silence and solitude, the 30-day retreat being the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have easy, we did have access to the internet, but not easy access to the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, and not private access to the internet. Right. And so to sort of just forget that. And then once we do get into studies and have our own computers or phones or what have you, then we just sort of revert back to old ways, I think is an odd thing. And I wonder why that happens. I've noticed it in my own life. How so? I'm not trying to say well, I was just talking about it, the over-dependence, looking oh, yeah. at Reddit too often. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is one of the reasons that for me, I got rid of Reddit, Twitter, Instagram completely. Now, I I think about it in terms of, I, I didn't delete my accounts or delete the apps. I just realized that there's no there's no time spent on these devices right now that's actually being constructive for me, that I'm just not getting anything out of this other than distraction. I, I, I did sort of put it on pause so in that sense, I can see the wisdom within saying cut it off completely because it's not giving me any grace or any any yeah. any sort of consolation or any sort of insight into being a good person. It's just it's just contributing more and more to you know dependence and distraction. Now maybe this is that's that's an example of what you're saying is not the best response. Yeah, I mean you're supposed to be preaching and just to to say I'm not going to do that because this is a distracting thing for me mm-hmm. seems a little extreme. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I was I was talking to my spiritual director last week or this past week, this uh, this past Monday, and we had a really great conversation where I brought in some of the things that we talked about last episode about knowing when it is that I should upgrade my devices. And yeah. he is the only person I have spoken to, uh, maybe other than you, that took it seriously, like that took that question seriously and said, we should actually talk about this because it has to do with our spirituality and it has to do with our poverty. How is it that we relate to, as he said, how do we relate to created goods? Do we, yeah. do we have a relationship that's intentional or do we have a relationship that is, you know, haphazard? It just, well, yep. these are things in front of me, so I either do or don't. Um, but there's no, there's no discernment process that happens when we engage them. And so his advice to me when the question came up about upgrading, he said, the first question is, do you know what your relationship is to created goods at all? Like, do you have indifference to created goods or are you discerning from the point of view of an unhealthy attachment to created things? Yeah. By created goods, could you possibly be referring to 
the other things. <laughs> uh, potentially the other things. That's that's also that's <laughs> that's a good point of view. <laughs> I had not expected that. <laughs> you just caught me off guard there. Yeah. Well, what do you say more? Say more. Well, I think that's precisely what we're trying to do here is to figure out that relationship because we are called to live in the world. We're an incarnational we're incarnational beings. We're embodied. And so just to yeah, just to be sort of indifferent or or worse, to have active resentment towards the things of the world seems to be not right. Mm-hmm. And rather than, I mean, I feel like I'm repeating myself at this point, but rather than letting it control us, how do we control them? Yeah, or use them. Yeah, dominion. There's something related to that that I wanted to mention. My plan is to make a new workflow using the workflow app, which is awesome and is not dead. Or dying. No, and that's fantastic. What, what's yeah. what's the workflow app that you want? What's sorry? What's the workflow that you want to make? So on my phone. Well, on before you do that, I, I'm sorry. Can you can you just explain what the app is really quick? Yeah. So the workflow app is a. It's sort of a mini. Um, what would you call it? Like a, a coding app, mm-hmm. where you can create structures for things to happen. So, for example, the way that I've been that I use it the most is I've got a button on the, what do you call that, the notification? Uh, notification center, yeah. Uh, I've got a button that says thoughts, and I tap on that button, and it prompts me to say, it, it prompts me saying, what are you thinking? And I just type in the thing that I'm thinking. It automatically sends a note to Bear with a particular, so Bear uses hashtag sort of groupings, and so it populates a list of all of my thoughts. And this is one of the things that I look at ideally on Saturday when I'm sort of looking at my at my week just to see if there's anything that I needed to if that was something that I needed to remember. So the way that I'm gonna use that for the podcast is create a similar button that will create a set that'll go to a separate list in Bear called podcast ideas. Nice. So the same workflow, just a different a different end a different goal. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I was gonna mention the workflow app uh, to you anyway because there was a uh, a discovery that I made that um, I thought you might find pretty interesting. So uh-huh. you can use Tell the you can use the workflow app to design your own icon for your workflow, and you know that, right? So yeah. so you can when you make a workflow, you can put it on your home screen with its own, yeah. uh, you know, with its own app face. Now, what I did not know is that you can import a photo to be the face of an app. You can import a photo to be the face of an app. So when you go to the workflow app and you're trying to tell it to put it onto the home screen, it gives you a whole library of icons that you can pick from. Uh-huh. But there's a separate tab that you can pick that allows you to use your, your photo library to pick a photo that can be the face of your app. And I played around with this, I played, a, I played around with this and I can send you a picture I made a little workflow and I just went into the notes app really quick and drew a little picture and I screen uh-huh. I screenshotted it and then I used that as the face of that of that uh, app. Ooh. So I thought about you because I thought you could you could design the app face for all of your workflows. You can yeah. you can draw it yourself, but even more so than that, there have been some people who have been known to create workflows where the only item in the workflow is to open another app. Yeah. And the reason they do that is so they can change the icon that that app has. 
<laughs> so you could you could realistically do that for every one of your apps on your phone. You could design for your own. App. Yeah, you could design every single app icon. Interesting. Would you do that? I've already done it. No, I didn't do it for all of my apps. I did it for one of my apps. Which one? So remember the milk is a really ugly app. The milk? Remember the milk. Remember the milk. So remember the milk is a to-do app that I started using to oh. it's an app to do app that I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an app that I've been using to um help me remember personal tasks rather than uh -huh. professional tasks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I don't like the icon and so I wrote a workflow that just opens that app. But I created my own icon yeah. for it that is just a check mark. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So keeping I'm gonna jump way back right now. Keeping these <laughs> abandoning workflow, uh, keeping your to-do list separately mm -hmm. for personal and, and business. Uh, I've been thinking about doing something, and I haven't really been able to figure out how to do it. What I want to do, so I primarily use my notification screen for everything, for calendaring, for well, not really for app picking, but you know my to-do list. What I've been running into, the more things that I put on my calendar makes that widget a lot bigger. Yes. And I don't like that. No. Especially since you're, so you I, you I and wanna, I are on the SE and the SE is so tiny. It's a, yeah, it's a smaller phone, which I like, but I want to be able to, and I haven't, like I said, I haven't figured out how to do this, how to make separate calendars show up. And what this is going to turn into is keeping all of the normal, like day-to-day, my class schedule on one calendar because I don't need to be reminded of that per se. Sometimes I do, but I want to be able to see things that like appointments or things that don't usually come up. So what's an example of something that changes that you would want to see? Well, when I have record a podcast uh... on my calendar, that's something that I'd like to see that's coming up. See, but Whereas... the, the solution seems to be to, open your calendar app and turn off all of your calendars except a special calendar called not regular events. So I guess here's, here's where I'm, what I'm really getting at. I want to be able to see everything, just not in the widget. Where do you want to see them? In the, in the app, when I open the app. I'm not following you, bro. So you want to be able to open the app <laughs> yeah. and, and see all of your events. Yeah. But, but I, I only <laughs> want to see the things that don't come up regularly on the widget. Oh, you want your app to have everything, but your widgets to have only unique yes. things. Yes. So like if there was a star feature on your calendar where you can yes. star an event and only starred events show up on the widget. Yes. Because you realize to do does that. Do? To do. To do does that. Yeah. Uh, the numerical two. So the widget yeah. for the numerical to do has, yeah. has a widget with three different screens. Oh, yeah. The star. So the star screen is a task that is currently starred. Right. So, so if you if you put a, a task that is something you want to remember that isn't bound by due date or by predetermined widget list on to do, you can yeah. star it and it will just show up there as a starred task. That's interesting. So here's what I'm wondering. How to get things from my calendar. Can I star them from to do? Uh, how... How would you star something in to-do that's on your calendar? Because you can access your calendar from to-do. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I think you can. That's interesting. Yeah. That kind of changes everything if that would work exactly the way that I want it. Yeah. 
certainly the to-do app is a very powerful app for your, your widget is really good in to-do, certainly. Yeah. I've actually used, I used two widgets for calendaring. <laughs> Which ones? Uh, so on my phone, I use the stock cal app. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine for looking at things that are coming up. But I like the Vantage app for calendaring. Vantage? For the, yeah, it's called Vantage. The app itself is kind of cool, but a little, a little kitschy. But what it does for the widget allows you to select the different days. So I usually have tomorrow selected. So at a glance, I can look at what's happening tomorrow. Is it listed as like line items or as blocks of time, depending on how long the event is? I will take a screenshot and send it to you so you can see. Very cool. All right, so you just sent me this picture, and yep. that's cool. So you can toggle between days, and then it just yeah. puts it as blocks. That's cool. It does look kitschy, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it totally is. And I can, I can put little splash images on the different things. I can change the, the fonts. It's kind of fun to play with, but not as good as just the regular calendar app. Mm -hmm. I will say that the um, Fantastical app widget does allow the same feature, but I don't have that on the phone. Why don't you have Fantastic on the phone? Oh, because it's you have to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's so stupid. It's a, se it's a separate app. Um, <laughs> since 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 we're on the topic, I feel like I have to mention something that has caused me no little stress. Uh huh. So I I have a problem with the Calendars Five app. Uh huh. And my problem is not that the app is kind of limping along kind of been bludgeoned by upgrades to iOS and is sort of limping along in life. That's fine. That's totally fine. What bothers me is when people lie to me uh, <laughs> about, about promises that they make. So All sorts of promises. Well, so Calendars 5 uh, has, has lied to me. Uh, okay, so iOS 11... You can do split screen, whatever, from the dock. Great. We've talked about this. Wonderful feature. Now, Calendars 5, before iOS 11, was, I don't know, completely recalcitrant when it came to trying to do split screen. You know, just obstinate, not wanting to change their behavior. Very much so, uh -huh. stuck in their ways, never split screening. Okay, I'm okay with that because iOS 11 is coming in a few months and it's going to be fine because they're going to fix all their problems. iOS 11 comes around. The dock is a thing, split screen is a thing, Calendars 5 still hasn't upgraded to iOS 11 status, so I'm still waiting and holding my, my breath. Then, and then, iOS 11 update for Calendars 5, and they have the audacity of saying in their description, fully compatible with iOS 11. And what does that mean to you? Fully compatible. Fully compatible <laughs> with iOS 11 means that you can use this app while on iOS 11 and uh -huh. not curse your device and not completely hate that company for all of the lies that it's communicated <laughs> to you. That's what compatible means to me. Uh-huh. Yeah. They still don't do split screen. They still don't do hmm. it. I wonder why apps do that. Why they do split screen or why they choose to hate me. Why, <laughs> why they choose to not. Because honestly, that was a big reason why I initially wanted to have a separate Kindle app, a Kindle pad. <laughs> Your K-pad? My, <laughs> my K-pad. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Uh, because. <laughs> Why did you want your K-pad? <laughs> uh, did that just become a thing? I think it just did. Uh, I initially wanted my K-pad because I couldn't <laughs> annotate. <laughs> I couldn't keep my PDFs open or my word processing open. I couldn't split screen with the Kindle app. You... And that was the most ridiculous thing ever. So you, are you trying to say that like on your iPad Pro you would be trying to split screen and you couldn't? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So you de- and, so you dedicated your K-pad to being a Kindle app. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. No, they are forcing my hand and I I think that this is this is a this is the closest I've ever been to moving to Fantastical if Fantastical had two apps being for the price of one. Well, David, as you may or may not know, yes, I have already abandoned Calendar 5. Because you've moved to this hipster app that you just sent me a picture of? Well, no. I use the regular calendar app. You're back on that? Oh, yeah. Check it out. And it does exactly what I want it to, which is on the widget, it tells me that in five hours I have another meeting. Mm. So during during the week, and this would be a reason why I'd want to keep, now that I'm thinking things through, <laughs> this is a reason why I might want to keep at least a widget for classes because it'll say in you know in three hours you have to this class is over yeah there's one reason why this is useless to me i'm glad it works for you but it's useless for me tell me i have a watch yeah and there's a i mean i can take a screenshot of it so like my my watch you can you can do a little a little feature for your calendar that tells you when your next appointment is on the face itself yeah and to me, that, that solves my problem. I'm going to text it to you right now. Oh. Okay. So explain, explain this to me. I don't know what this means. So that's my watch face right now. Um, uh-huh. And the top left corner is the date. The top right corner is the clock. The bottom left is the battery. The bottom right is the temperature outside. The bottom middle is my activity for the day. Apparently, I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> and that big middle row is the next thing up. Yeah. So from 2 to 3 p.m. today, meaning in an hour, I have a meeting with a group that's reading a book together. So yeah. that's the next thing on my calendar coming up. So everything I can, I can live on the next moment thinking about what's next. But you might think to yourself, well, but David, why would you want to live that way? It doesn't seem like you'd want to live from one thing to the next. And I'll say to you, Jonathan, I click on that 2 to 3 line and it shows me this. I'm going to send this to you right now. Oh, that's cool. And that's all of my next events that are happening in the day. And I can use the, the scroll function. I can just push the screen up and I can see what's coming up for the remainder of the day just by yep. scrolling through. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. This is another, another reason why you should just finally get a watch. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. I can just scroll through my day. See, I can see what's next and I can just scroll through my day. Hmm. Yeah. Did I just sell you I'm- on it? That's exactly what I want. <laughs> well, now, now I will say I've been sold on the watch. I've been wanting that. Yeah. Well, uh, now they have the LTE one, which, which in my world, what that means is that the non-LTE one is cheaper. Ooh. The time is now. The time is now. So I saw a headline, kind of a spoiler. Oh. I know how you, I know how you feel about spoilers. Oh my god. That said something to the effect of this particular comic book movie. Is a hundred percent, you know, best thing we've ever seen, full of laughs. 
Full of laughs? Something like that. Yeah. Justice League? No. Oh, thank no. God. <laughs> no, this was for... Do you mind me saying? Oh, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, well, that's not what I said, but yes, that's the movie. Well, that was, that was me guessing. Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, not surprised. Uh, just look at all the publicity everywhere. At least here in Canada, yeah. it's everywhere. You can see it yeah. on billboards. You can see it on buses. Probably in Berkeley, you can see it there, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yep. it's very colorful, you know? It's very... Yep. Um, I don't know. It, it just seems like they're trying to make it more fun. Yeah, which led me to think, why do we need comic book movies to be funny? Like, why is this the standard? Can we not do serious... That was the big criticism for Batman versus Superman they're, and Man of Steel. It was they were too serious. Too dark? Yeah, too dark, too serious. Why is that a bad thing? And why are these movies being forced to become comedies? Well, um, here's... Maybe the problem is... Well, see, I'm not entirely sure you agree with yourself, because <laughs> you, you, you will, at the same time, criticize people for overly... Like, overly humanizing Superman. Yeah. Because you want him to be who he is, which is someone who does the good without yeah. any any kind of struggle, really, even to do the good. He just well, is goodness by himself. Yeah. But then you also want people to... Like, you want people to be... I, I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding your consistency of position because you want people to be idyllic about Superman, but to be overly, you know, realistic about everything else. Uh, I don't follow the... You're trying to thought there, but... I will say I'm okay with him getting there. Like he did grow up on Earth, mm -hmm. it's, and so he has to sort of come into his own. And I think that's what they're set, they've been setting up. Like Man of Steel and BVS. Yeah. So you mean as a genre, you you're okay? See, like some people saw BVS and they felt like they were just overly humanizing the heroes and making them into these kind of anti-heroes. Yeah. Is Which that is the trend? Is that what was happening in BVS? I don't think so. So how is BVS different from, I don't know, what's a good example of like a movie where they're just turning everybody into an anti-hero? Civil War. <laughs> yeah, okay. How is BVS different from Civil War? Because there was change. The heroes were different at the end. So they started in one place and then they ended in a different place? Yeah. Okay. And A better place. Well, Superman was dead. Yeah. He, sacri he sacrificed himself. Right. Unlike Civil War, where nothing seemed to change. Nothing changed, and they just walked away. Right, with no apologies. Yeah. So what? So in Thor, you're feeling like the, the market has moved, like it's swung in the direction of, this is purely for entertainment value, so we want to make it as yeah. fun as well, possible? Look at, the reception, look at the reception of Civil War versus BVS. Oh yeah, Civil it's War not, it's was... It's night and day. Yeah. And so obviously people are wanting this sort of mindless color and laughter and entertainment it's just pure entertainment, entertainment. so yeah. this is i think the heart of the, the issue here with comic books is are comic books for education or for entertainment well yeah they've got to be both obviously they're do movies they? in general yeah i think so i mean movies in general but this gets to the to the heart of a lot of things um art you know what is it for yeah well what do you think i think it's got to be both well um, what's the difference between entertainment and education well, I don't know what you mean by that. 
See, it seems like entertainment is something that you do where the receiver is the judge as to the quality of the activity or like the uh-huh. success of the activity. The success, the success of the activity is determined by the receiver. Education, the, the, the value of the activity is determined not by the receiver, but by the, but by the thing communicated. Yeah. So the, per, yeah. the person communicating and the one being communicated to are participants in this conversation or in this experience. But the thing that yeah. is communicated is the thing that has intrinsic value. Yeah. And I think the nuance that I would put on that is I don't want to be force-fed something, even if it's something that I agree with. And you felt like Civil War was force-feeding you something? Well, I just don't think it was feeding me anything. Yeah. So there's a, that's a whole different level on that. But comic books give us a way of thinking about things in a different way. Uh-huh. And not, and not the same thing. So the thing that the writer and the artist are trying to convey might not be the way that I interpret it, but that's still a good thing because I'm thinking about it. Hmm. It's causing me to, it's causing me to think. Mm-hmm. And so I'm less interested in a lot of ways in the, in the intention of the artist or the director or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Is this something that's going to allow me to think and be creative? Or is it just a mindless thing that I have to sit through and be told exactly what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and what I should think about it. So like in Civil War, you weren't challenged to grow. You were being given an hour and a half to two hours of explosions and fun. Yeah. But it, it was fun. It was, a, it was a beautiful movie. I laughed. I cried. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I would even challenge that movie so far as to say that it wasn't fun. Hmm. Hmm. Because I was always aware of the fact that they were trying to get me to enjoy heroes killing right. killing heroes. Like, that's what they want yeah. me to enjoy. And yeah. this is precisely why BVS was so brilliant, because the person who tries to do that has a name. The person trying to do that is Lex Luthor, yeah. <laughs> who is, by definition, the villain of the story. Yeah. Yep. And they at least gave a name and a will to the person who's trying to turn the viewer into, you know, a bloodthirsty you know, judge, you know, choose yeah. between your gladiators. And yeah. to me, to me, Civil War didn't give me the opportunity to stand back and criticize and say, someone needs to stop, stop this. This needs to end. Mm-hmm. You know, the only person in Civil War that had any semblance of that was Black Panther in the end. Because he, he stood up by the, by the villain and said, this is, this is wrong, effectively, yeah. and that you have done wrong and we need to get you judged. Yeah. The problem with Black Panther, though, is that he's not a hero either. Well, I would say the the hero was Spider-Man. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. He stopped. He bowed out. He says, "I I can't. This is not a fight that I can that I can do." He just knew his limitations. Yeah, he knew his limitations, and he knew when to stop. How did you How did you like Amazing Spider-Man? Or I it was pretty good. what is it? Homecoming? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Well, I mean, connect the dots, bro. I mean, like, how did that movie end? With, exactly. That's precisely why I liked it. He told, he told them no. Yeah. He knew his limits and he said no. And he said, there is something beyond this thing that gives me meaning and purpose. Yeah. Which I think is ultimately the lesson of Batman versus Superman, is that yeah. they both realize that trying to do the thing that they wanted to do is the, precisely the thing that they're not supposed to do. That. Yeah. They, that Superman wanted to flee and Batman wanted to kill. So what happened is that they needed somebody to shake them into reality. 
And it, mm-hmm. it took seeing the witness of a martyr to shake everybody into, into focus. Is like, focus on the reality at, at hand here. Is that if we are on the same page and fighting for the same thing, then the enemy is neither of us. We're actually brothers yeah. in this fight, and we need to be fighting against the true enemy. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen a moment in Civil War where the villain just stood back and watched the heroes fight. Well, he kind of did. Yeah, it's so silly. Yeah, like he was in the he was in the in his little box. Yeah, that's true. Gosh, it's so stupid. It's so dumb. Um, why are we talking this, about this? I think this is beyond. <laughs> well, what makes a good movie? That's I think going beyond just Batman versus Superman. I think this is what makes a good movie. Period. It's something that causes you to think. Mm-hmm. The movies that you think about the next day are, and still wondering if I liked it or not. That's probably a sign that it's a good movie. Yeah. And this gets into a difficult question. You know, when I say good, do I mean, you know, I could mean the craft, yeah. right? It was crafted yep. Yep. well. Yep. Um, but you can craft things that are used for evil purposes. You can yep. craft them well. You know, there are some really, really brilliant scientists who craft devices that are used for mass destruction. There yep. are masterful artists that use their skill for creating craft that's brilliant that's used for propaganda um or whatever you know so when we say a good movie i don't think we mean well crafted what what else is needed for it to be good well i think star wars is a good example i'm probably going to get a lot of heat for this but episode what is it four is not a really good movie a new hope yeah Uh, why not well it's just kind of an odd... I can't really even put words to why I don't really... It's not that I don't like it. I just don't think it's made very well. And the characters are kind of strange. But there's some, still something there that obviously has captured the minds and hearts of people everywhere, old and young. Yeah, so it's an ugly... But, but it's the an, movie itself... Yeah. It's ugly, and it's kind of poorly done, but it, it's beautiful. It communicates something beyond yeah. itself that is itself good. Yeah, which I think speaks to this whole fascination with lightheartedness and laughter and bright colors. You know, I'm not against those things, but, you know, Tolkien led us into Mordor, not a happy place. Mm-mm. But but we knew that we had to be there. Mm. And it's not escaping reality, it's engaging it. So when when cinema serves to be a form of escapism... Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Rather than a source of encounter. Yep, yep. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, and and maybe not just cinema, but art itself, you know? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, this is challenging to me. Um, and, and I, what, one of these years, I don't know, maybe you can hold me to this, but one of these years I'm going to choose to not go watch the latest Marvel movie. Yeah, I've done that already. I Have you? Did you not go see Guardians 2? No, I did. I've not seen Ant-Man which I hear is one of the better ones. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> well, there, there it is. It was not terrible, but it was not great. I mean, it was, it was similar to what people are saying about Thor Ragnarok, where it's like, okay, you know, very funny guy and kind of unexpected, clever things, you know. I don't know. It's just kind of the novelty of, of high school yeah. imagination. It's like a high school yeah. kid gets enthralled by, ooh, look how cool this thing is that I made on my computer. And, yeah. you know, when we taught high school, the kinds of things that our kids would tweet, the kinds of things that our kids would post, you know, this inane garbage that 
was superficial and glamorous or whatever, but we're thinking to ourselves, why are you retweeting this? This yeah. is stupid. And you're putting yeah. your name on this thing. Yeah. When substantial things to them are incredibly boring or overwhelmingly, you know, just, they're, they're just too much. They're overrun by uh, a certain disengagement from reality. So like if I show them the Lord of the Rings or if I, you know, give them a passage from scripture or if I show him, you know, a Caravaggio to them, it's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. But look at this awesome video game that I just found. That's yep. bright lights. Yeah. That gets them to disengage from reality. Yeah. I like it. Is it leading us to escape, disengaging us rather than engaging us? Or the difference between escapism and encounter. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I feel like movies like Batman versus Superman, I still talk about that movie as my favorite movie because it led me to encounter a reality about human nature that most movies choose to ignore, which is that conversion is necessary for salvation. And it's possible. And it's possible, but it's not possible in isolation. Yep. Yeah, this is a Christian story. <laughs> well, in that vein, perhaps uh, maybe one, one thing to mention is there are a few movies coming up that I would like to talk to you about. Yeah, like? Well, in... You already mentioned one. Well, Justice League is coming up that I would like to do a review on. I think that could be really cool because, you know, uh, what's the name of the director that made BVS? Uh, Zack Snyder. He's out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they replace him with? Joss Whedon. So there you go. So you have the person who made Batman vs. Superman. That I love. <laughs> yes. Replaced by the person that made Civil War. <laughs> Civil War. The movie, that I, the movie that I hate. Was it was Joss Whedon the one that made Civil War? I have no idea. He made Avengers, and he also made uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, which I did not like. No, Age of Ultron was terrible. Um, so I want to review that because I think that'll be an interesting moment for the both of us who love this franchise. Although, frankly, and maybe I'll get you know, I'll get crucified for this. I didn't really think that the two movies after BVS were very good compared to BVS. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think everyone would agree that Suicide Squad was mediocre. But even Wonder Woman, I kind of felt like there were one or two moments in the movie that I felt were genuine. And the rest of it, I kind of felt was a little forced. Yeah, I don't understand the mass hysteria around Wonder Woman. <clears throat> I mean, it's awesome that we finally have a A-list female hero mm -hmm. have her, her own movie. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. And I, I suspect that might be what's playing into the hype. Which is not necessarily a bad thing, but especially compared compared to Man of Steel, it fell flat for me. Yeah, I mean there was there was one major scene in the movie that I still think about that reminds me of something beyond the movie. No you know, in a No Man's Land, exactly. Right, that's the moment in the movie that actually communicates something beyond itself. Yeah, that the human struggle is one that requires you to take courage in the face of adversity. Yeah. You know, for the sake of the, of the survival of anybody who's trying to do the good, right? That she took the brunt of the, of, the, of the fire so that everyone else could do good too. You know, like there's true sacrifice there. Yep, everybody was telling her no, and she said yes. Well, one last movie that I think that you and I should review. Uh-huh. Episode 8. Yes. Yeah. Well, as with last time, how do you want to end this? <laughs> Are you going to do the same thing where you just cut it off right here? Well, I think I now have to.
you'll cut that part out. 